doing things just a little bit differently this morning. As most of you know, today was intended to be Big Vision Sunday. Did anybody bring their vision list with them to church today? Glory to God. Well, here's what I want you to do. Hang on to it. Uh, Sarah and I had some things on our hearts that we really believe we were supposed to talk about last week in church leading up to Vision Sunday. And of course, with the cancellation that we talked about, we talked about it together and felt like what we needed to do was just push everything a week. So what we're going to do today is a lot like what we did last year, if you were with us around Big Vision Sunday. We decided Big Vision Sunday is so big, and you say, how how big is it? It's Vision Sunday is so big that it takes two Sundays to go over everything that we need to. So that's what we're going to do starting today. Uh, we've got some things to talk about from the Word concerning vision. And I know many of you have already made your vision list, and that's good. Uh, but what I want you to do is take to heart some of the things we talk about today. Go home again and just hold it back before the Lord and say, Father, is there anything else? Anything else we need to see, need to say, need to write, need to do concerning our vision list and what you've got for us in 2022 and in the years to come. So that's what today's about, and that's why we're doing this again together, just setting up here like we're in a living room, because that's what we want you to do as a family, uh, you and your spouse, your children, if they're involved in this with you, and just come together around the Word and um, find out what the Lord would say to us about his vision for our lives in this year. Amen? Amen? If you've got a Bible, I want you to open, first of all, to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. When you start talking vision, there are a couple of verses, I believe, that, that come to mind um, pretty quickly and get referenced pretty often concerning vision. And you're familiar with this in Habakkuk chapter 2, and we'll have it on the screen for you. The Bible says, well, you're familiar with verse two and three. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Somebody say, write the vision. And that's what we're getting ready to do right now. And we're going to present our visions before the Lord, the vision of this church and ministry and the vision for your house as well. And that comes as a directive from this verse, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, which I guess would include iPads and whatever else that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak. The vision will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. One of the things I've noticed with this verse and others like it, those that have become so familiar to us, we have such a tendency to just pull them out of where they came from. And you know what I'm talking about. If you've got kids and you've ever been walking through a store and your little ones just start pulling things off the shelves, your, your response as a parent and ours has always been, put that back where you found it. I can't tell you how many times recently in the grocery store, Sarah and I are unloading the cart, putting things on the little conveyor belt. And I'm like, did you put this in here? She's like, I didn't put that in there. No, and we look just, over. My children, they just pick they, things up, hide it in the cart, <laughs> and then hope it goes through and we pay for it. And we do. And we do. Every time. And yeah. They get away with it. Put and we that, before the next time we go back. Yeah. If you catch them in time, what do you say? Put that back where you found it. And I think sometimes if you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you while you're going over these verses that are so familiar, you might hear him say, hey, put that back where you found it. Because there's a lot of power and a lot of truth in what's right around it. And these verses, Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3, are so familiar to us. But look at the verse, just the verse before it, verse 1. I want you to notice what the prophet said. He said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. He's revealing to us how vision comes. It doesn't just fall on you. It doesn't just, you don't just stumble into it. What do you say? I will set myself. I'm going to set myself at watch. I will set myself on the rampart. I will watch to see what he's going to say to me. In other words, vision comes in our lives when there's an expectation for it, when we are looking for it. When our attention is on God and what he would say to us concerning our lives. And then you, then you read verse two and three, but then you get to verse four and listen to what he says. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just 
shall live by faith. Those famous words that we love so much around here, the just shall live by faith, these words were connected to vision. In other words, it is going to require faith in God, number one, to, to get his vision, to have it, to see it, and then number two, to walk it out. The just shall walk, shall live by faith. Now, the other verse that, I, that comes to mind so often when people start talking vision, of course, is from the book of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. We'll put it on the screen for you, but you're familiar with it. Out of the King James Bible, it says, where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, just at a surface glance, that kind of gives the impression that if you don't have vision, you might just drop dead, which I don't think is necessarily the case. But I think what you can see as you study this is that vision is what gives you purpose for living. Most every one of us have at least the will to live. Even if life is not what you want it to be and the things seem rough and it's not going your way, still most everybody, and I would dare say 99 point something percent of people all over the world have at least the will to live. They want to stay alive. But there's a big difference between the will to live and purpose for living. And that's what this is about. Vision, God's vision for your life is that purpose for living. When you have it, it's what gets you up in the morning. It's what energizes you. It's what strengthens you and motivates you throughout the day. It's what stirs excitement in your life. And without that, there's not a purpose. People aren't living with purpose. Now I like it from the New King James that it says it like this, where there is no revelation. King James said vision. This translation says revelation. That is both an indicator of number one, what vision is, and number two, how vision comes. It comes by revelation. It literally means to take the cover off. Something that's been concealed, something that's been hidden, to have vision, vision from God, is to have revelation. It is to have the cover removed and you can see what had been hidden from you. And he said, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now again, King James, how did he say it? How did that translation say it? They perish. But look these words up and study them for yourselves. And it's not so much the idea, like I said, of just dropping dead. It's more what you read here. People cast off restraint. Here's one of the big things about vision, and this is what I believe Sarah and I want to touch on and go over today. Vision creates boundaries. Vision creates boundaries. And he said here where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. Other translations talk about how people live wild. They live aimlessly. Why? Why would somebody live with no restraint? Why would somebody live just wild and just live by the impulses of the flesh and do what they want, when they want? Why would somebody live like that? One big reason, no vision, no revelation of who God's called them to be, what God's called them to do. And where there is no vision of where they're headed, they just cast off restraint. In other words, there are no boundaries. I'm going to show this to you in another verse here. Look at Joshua chapter one. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but then we'll talk some more about it. Joshua chapter one, beginning in verse one, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land, which I'm giving them the children of Israel. Now notice verse three. Every place, somebody say every place. every place, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. This is a powerful statement out of the mouth of God. 
He said, every place your foot will tread, I have given. God's living in two tenses at the same time. Every place the, the, your, that your foot will tread, that's future. I have given, that's past. This is powerful. Every place you will tread, I have given to you. What a promise that is. Now we love that, don't we? I love the sound of that. Every place the sole of my foot treads, God's given to me. Now the other part of this we really like is verse five. That was verse three, but look at verse five. God said to him, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll not leave you or forsake you. And man, if you just take those two promises right there, that's enough to get you fired up, get your faith all stirred up. Every place the sole of my foot treads, God's given me. And no man will be able to stand before me all the days of my life. Bless God. And you just start stomping and walking all over everything. Everything you can find. I like that car. And you look up and you're standing on the hood of it. I like that house. And you're standing out in front of somebody's yard. Because everything, every place, the sole of my foot, and somebody's like, get off my property, and you're like, no man will stand before me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. The problem is that one of those was verse three, the other one was verse five. What have we left out? Verse four, that says, from the wilderness... And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. What were those things that God just named to Joshua? Boundaries. Those are boundaries. What's he saying to him? Every place the sole of your foot treads within the boundaries of the vision I've given to you. Within the boundaries of the vision, no man will be able to stand before you. See, frustration is outside the boundaries. Frustration lies outside the boundaries. When you start stomping and stepping on places on the other side of the boundary and you're going, what's not, hap what's not working? Why is this not happening for me? God said every place the sole of my foot treads that I could have. The question is, are you within the boundaries that the vision created? And this is one of the big things, particularly our group. And when I say our group, I mean faith people, people who have been taught and trained to believe big, to believe that nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to him and with him who believes. But one of the problems is that we forget that our faith, are you listening? Yes. Comes out of our fellowship yeah. with him. And what comes out of that fellowship with him is his words. We already talked today about a richness of a relationship with him. The, we don't arrive at a rich relationship with God or anybody else without words. Words. We've got to find out the vision God has for us revealed to us through his words. You don't have to turn there, but the Bible says in first Samuel chapter three, talking about the boy Samuel, it says he ministered to the Lord before Eli. This is verse one. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. King James says there was no widespread vision. Why? because the word was rare. Now this is talking about a whole nation where there was no word, there was no vision. And that's, that's a serious state for a nation to be in, but guess what? It's a serious state for you and I to be in too, where there is no word coming into our lives. There can be no revelation. There can be no vision. Vision comes as a revelation of the word of God. This is why I'm so excited that we're reading our Bibles together. One chapter a day, Monday through Friday. Aren't we church? Aren't we church? If you're not doing that with us, get on board with us. We've got the Bible reading cards. It's on the website. You can find out where we are. Pick up with us tomorrow. Get the word going into your life because vision comes out of that. But what that vision will do is create boundaries 
for you and I to live within. And I know that that sounds like restrictions and limitations, but you need to change the way you think about that. Because if you know anything about God, what you'll realize is I am unlimited because he is unlimited. I am limitless within the boundaries. My only limitations occur outside the boundary. Joshua's only limitations would have been trying to take some land God had not said was his. Well, he said everywhere I stepped. Yes, he did within these boundaries. He said, no man can stand before me. That's correct. Within the boundaries. Vision creates boundaries. So those of you who have already spent some time making your vision list, and of course, we'll talk some more about the details, but we break it up into three parts. Number one, kingdom first. What are we sowing into the kingdom of God? Establish that. That has to be first. Number two, knowing what we owe. What are our debts? What are our obligations? And being in faith to get those paid off quickly, miraculously, believing God for extra to come in. And then number three, that's where you let your vision run. That's where you let, you, you just dream and you let the Lord talk and talk big to you. But in, in the midst of it, you let him create some boundaries. The example I thought of with this is I have a vision for my marriage. I have a vision for Sarah and I's relationship. And my vision for our relationship is long term, baby. My vision is that we would grow really old together. My vision is that we would uh, spend the rest of our lives together. My vision is that we would raise our children together, that we would build a house of faith together, that we would serve you together and serve the Lord together, that we would work in this ministry together and see this thing grow and go all over the world. That's my vision. But that vision creates boundaries. If I want to be unlimited in the success, the potential success and prosperity of this marriage, it creates some very definite boundaries. It tells me where I can go and where I cannot go. Those boundaries will tell me what I can do and what I cannot do. If I want success in this marriage and I want the vision that I have for it, it creates some very definite boundaries. Listen, about my relationships with other people, particularly other women. There are some boundaries and they are boundaries that I very gladly live within. I'm very happy to live within those boundaries. Why? Because I want this vision to come to pass. If you have a vision for the success of your marriage, then it will create boundaries. Men, listen to me. I'll speak to men. Sarah, you can speak to women about this, but that does not allow. If we want success in this marriage, it creates boundaries with the way we relate to members of the opposite sex. It creates boundaries in the way I speak to other women, the, the way I conduct myself around other women. I want, I want success in this. So I've created some very definite boundaries. Really the vision has, I don't meet privately one-on-one -on -one, alone with other women. I'm not in a room together by myself with other women. We have some boundaries set up in this church for our staff, for our volunteers, and they are very clear and they're made clear and they are made clear over and over and over again. You are not to be alone, men, women, with somebody that's not your spouse. And people think, oh, that's so old fashioned. That, that you're just putting restrictions on people. No, 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 no. I'm liberating people. They can have the most successful marriage they can dream of if they'll live within the boundaries. Vice President Mike Pence, Vice President to Donald Trump, he very famously had some, had some personal boundaries that he had set up. And part of those were he would not meet alone with another woman behind closed doors. He always had somebody else in the room, at least one other somebody. And may, some of you may remember this. Did he not get a lot of flack for that? A lot of criticism, get called a lot of names, but evidently he didn't care. Why? He's got a vision. He's got a vision for the prosperity of his marriage. He's got a vision 
to live his entire career without scandal, without lies. And you would think in the culture that we're living in, where it seems like every other week or so, somebody else is being accused of acting inappropriately, misbehaving, and people are making mistakes and others are being lied to and lied about. It seems like that, that extra added layer of accountability, people would applaud it. But no, you get criticism. But I can think of two individuals who weren't mad about his boundaries, his wife and his God. And the rest of them can chirp and talk all they want. He's saying, sorry, my vision has created some boundaries for my life. What about you? Do you have some vision concerning your, your physical health? Some vision concerning the shape you want to be in physically? And for many of us, that would be losing weight or gaining weight or, or, or being healthy and, and, and not being on medication or, or, or just getting strong on the inside and strong physically. Well, guess what? That vision is going to create some boundaries, right? What about financially? Do you have a vision of being debt-free? A vision of every need met over and above and a vision of being able to provide and supply for other people and be a big blessing. Well, that vision is going to create some boundaries and you're not going to just be able to do with your money, whatever comes to your mind and whatever your flesh demands any more than being alone with somebody else that you shouldn't be alone with. You think, well, you know, you, you should be able to be trusted. Hey, Hey, listen, the flesh is not to be trusted. I don't care how long you've been knowing Jesus. Your flesh is not to be trusted. It is to be crucified. And I don't care if it has to do with a, a, a relationship with somebody else, or if it has to do with food, or if it has to do with money, your flesh is not to be trusted. It is to be crucified. It is to be put under. And we are to live by the spirit and within the boundaries of the vision. Does that make sense to you? Vision will create boundaries. This is Psalm 16, six through eight. I'm gonna read it to you in the um, NIV. It says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And I think this passage of scripture is so amazing because it is a declaration of, I believe that the boundary lines that God has set me within is a delightful place yeah. to live. It is a delightful inheritance. Good things come with living within those boundary lines. And then I love this where it says, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. You know, it takes focus to walk by faith. It takes focus to live the vision that God has put before you. It takes setting your face like flint like Isaiah has talked about and fulfilling all that God has called you to do. As I was praying about this, I mean, we didn't even know this before we talked to each other. All my scriptures are on boundaries. I've heard a lot of people that um, write their vision list and begin to create vision lists. And they just basically come up with anything they can think of, no matter if they've sought the Lord and prayed over it. It, this is the same way with um, the way we walk out our daily lives or the call that God puts on our lives. Um, so many teenagers, so many young people, they've been told their whole lives, you can do anything that you wanna do. Is that true? Absolutely not. <laughs> the thing that you wanna do with your life is find out God's perfect will. 
You want to find out what God has called you to do. Now, when I think about this and I think if I go back and I look at my life, I can't help but think about Psalm. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified um, Classic Bible, Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. What does that mean for him to give you the desires? Is it that you come up with those desires on your own or that he just gives you whatever you desire? No, it means that he will actually give you the desires of your heart. He will give you a purpose. He will give you a desire from his heart to walk out. You know, this is the same thing that the Bible talks about. We should say this over our heart. Father, we should say this over our lives. I delight to do your will. Yeah. Can everybody say that with me? I, I delight, delight to do, to do your, your will. What an amazing thought that I would enjoy, that I would take pleasure in doing the will of God. And so we should actually tell our kids and our teenagers, mm -hmm. you can do whatever God has called you to That's do. Right. You can be whatever God yeah. has ordained for you to be. Don't just pick out your profession. Don't just say, I'm going to travel to this place and I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to go where I want to go. And the Bible says we should say, if it be his will, Whatever he wills, I'll do, or I'll go, or I'll be. We should delight to do his will for our lives. That's right. And I was thinking about this, you know, the American dream or the, the desire to have success as a young person or as a teenager. You know, I've seen it in my generation. You know, when I was even in high school, we didn't even have social media or Instagram or or any of these platforms, Snapchat. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Who is in my generation? You didn't have any of this. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone until I was in high school. Jeremy bought me a cell phone when we were dating. Am I, I'm not that old, right? But this is seriously within the last, <laughs> the last few years, this has developed into um, a real deal. And people have found a way to make their living and they have decided this is how I'm going to get rich. This is how I'm going to be a success. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this without considering the perfect will of God for their life. And that's how you get in trouble. Yeah. And so we should say as young people, as teenagers, as children, we should say, Lord, whatever your will let your will be done in my life. I'll say that if you would have me do this or that, I'll go. If it be your will, I'll do that with yeah. my life. Yeah. And so um, as I read this, I want to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. It says, your, ple your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. See, you gotta be, you gotta be confident in the, the love of God yeah. to know that his plan is so good for you, that he wouldn't cause you to live within boundary lines that are going to suffocate you and keep That's you right. from living <clears throat> That's a right. joyful life. No, he's the reason that you live within the boundary lines is because there's joy and there's blessing yes, within that place. And you know, as I was reading this, I thought, well, let me just, I'm going to go back and read you one scripture that Proverbs 29, 18, that Jeremy read in several, several translation. It says in the message, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I want to live within the blessing of the Lord. And that takes seeking God. Teenagers, this season of your life, is for seeking God. Yes, it is. This season of your life is for delighting in him, for enjoying him. Because when you do that, he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. Those things that have been hidden away that nobody else knows about, things that you've dreamed of. This is the time to dream with the Lord. 
You know, as I, I thought about this, I remember when I was a teenager and I was in a meeting uh, service and there was a guest speaker, I don't even know her name. She was speaking at this youth conference and I remember at this moment, she came over to me in the service. She laid her hands on my head and she said, dream big, dream big, dream big. And I, y'all, I don't even know what else. I know the, the word felt is not the best word for this, but I'm telling you, it was like a warm honey. The anointing went all over me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I began to weep in the presence of the Lord. I began to laugh in the presence of the Lord. I was overtaken by God. I can't even, I don't even know another way to say it. And in that moment, he, she kept saying to me, enlarge your tents, enlarge the place of your dwelling, begin to dream bigger, begin to dream. Why? Because God had to get me to dream bigger so that he could get all the blessings into my life that he wanted to pour out on me. Until I could see it, he couldn't do it. Until I could dream it, he couldn't bring it to pass. And so I had to begin to dream with the Lord. So I want to read this to you out of the Passion Translation. This is Psalm 16, 6. It says, your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I am overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you. Does anybody know an experienced what God has done in your life when you have said yes and followed him? Anybody in here, have you seen good things? Have you seen wonderful, wonderful things? The way you counsel me makes me praise you more. For your whispers in the night give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. Because I set you always close to me, my confidence will never be weakened. For I experience your wraparound presence every moment. My heart and my soul explode with joy full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure. You will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you allow your faithful one to experience corruption. Because of you, I know the path of life as I taste the fullness of joy in your presence. At your right side, I experience divine pleasures forevermore. It is wonderful to walk on the one road God has set before you. The psalmist said the path of the just is like a shining sun. It grows brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Your path should be growing brighter and brighter and brighter. And as you get light, you walk in the light that you have. And as you get more light, you walk in that light. And then the more vision comes. But you got to take a step. Do we not walk by faith and not by sight? So this is talking about your outward eyes sight of here. This is not what we walk by, but there is a inside eye. Mm-hmm. There's an eye that can see spiritual things. What Jeremy was talking about with revelation, you know, without prophetic revelation, the people run wild. That's what it's saying. Yep. You know, you cannot have prophetic revelation or vision for your life without relationship. When I go before the Lord, I have to say to him, Lord, what do you will for me to do? I delight to do your will. And so as I've been praying over this, I begin to think of the teenage years are critical for this. All, if I have a teen, if we have teenagers in this room, will you raise your hand? Awesome. So one thing that I have found with vision is if you will get a vision for your life, it will set you on course and it will keep you from making the mistakes that many people make in life. As a teenager, I begin to seek the Lord and ask the Lord to show me his call and his will for my life. And I purpose in my heart, I'm gonna go your way. And as I begin to step out to do that, anytime you step out for the Lord, the enemy will come and he'll try to distract you with things, specifically temptation. 
And I, I, as I was praying over this, I heard this phrase in my heart. Temptation is no match for vision. Hmm. If you have a vision for your life, and you have set your face to go after the things that God has called you to do and to be, and to not let anything distract you, not let anything um, that comes your way keep you from setting your face toward that end goal. You should have an end goal out before you. You may not know everything. You may not know the whole picture, but you know that you're taking steps toward the calling, God's calling on your life. Some of you, so many of you in this room are called into ministry, are called to preach the gospel, are called to sing the gospel, are called to help people, are called to be in the helps ministry of a church or an organization or a ministry. And you want to set your face to go after that vision. And if you will, temptation will not be able to overtake you. The temptation to go off, to get off. I'm telling you, I saw this as I was praying that there are so many in this room Teenagers, if you will set your face to do what God has called you to do and keep your vision before you, his vision for your life, you will not look up one day having married the wrong person. Amen. Amen. You will, you will reach that part of your life and you will not be shamed. That's what this scripture in Isaiah 57 says. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. Why? Because I'm focused on the goal. I'm focused on the prize. I'm going after God. I'm not gonna let anything distract me from my purpose and my calling in life. And a lot of you may say in here, well, I'm not called into ministry. You may not be called into the five-fold ministry, but you do have a ministry. Amen. Yes. Amen, Sarah. <laughs> Amen, I, I agree. Good. It's really no, I'm telling you, every person in here have a, has a ministry, but it's up to you to set your face, focused faith, to fulfill the perfect will of God for your life. Amen. And I'm telling you, if, if teenagers, if you will set your face, if you will find out God's will plan for your life and you'll keep it before you, you will come to the end of your life without shame, without hurt, without pain, having made the wrong decisions. Temptation is no match for revelation, temptation is no match for vision. That's right. And um, thank you, Lord. So thank good. Thank you, Lord. I just, um, I had it just so on my heart this week. That heartbreak, hearts broken, pain unnecessarily will not come if you can get a hold of vision. That's right. So the question becomes... Why would anybody live without it? Without vision, we know what happens. People perish. They cast off restraint. They're, they're living outside the boundaries. So why? If you know this about it, why would anybody live without vision? Well, I believe there's one main reason, or I'll say it like this, one big root to us why people would, not, would, would live without vision. And it's just fear. If we know from Habakkuk chapter 2 that that we're going to write the vision and run with the vision, but we're going to have to walk and live by faith, then we know that there's not going to be any place for fear. Fear's not going to help us accomplish the vision. And I've always, I've seen that for some years, and I've always seen it in the sense where somebody gets a glimpse of the things God's called them to, and uh, it just seems big to them. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you, you get a little bit of a glimpse of the assignment, that, the, the, the heavenly assignment that God has on your life, and it just seems big, man. It seems expansive. It seems expensive. And you look at it and you think, how? Is there any way that me, who I am now, could ever be that person doing that thing? And instead of running towards it in faith, people run, it, run from it in fear, thinking, I can't pay for that. I can't accomplish that. Well, the truth is, you can't. <laughs> you can't pay for that. 
But to me, that's always been one of the big indicators. Hey, I'm hearing from God. God has never asked us to do anything that we could reach in our own pocket or our own bank account and meet the need for it. He's always asked us to do impossible stuff. And if he's asking you to do something impossible, that's great news. You're hearing from him. You're getting revelation. You're getting vision. That's wonderful. Don't run from it in fear. Run to it in faith. But there's another element of fear that I believe I've seen just in the last day or so. And even as we're talking now, it's the same stuff. It's the same root of fear just manifested in a different way. People don't live with God's vision because they're afraid he's going to ask them to do something they don't want to do. They're afraid that the boundaries are going to be real restrictive and that I'm not going to have any fun and that I can't experience life the way other people are experiencing life. All of that is fear. I said, all of that is fear. And how many times people have turned a deaf ear to God? I don't want to know what he's called me to do. I don't, I don't want to go where he's called me to go. And usually for most Americans, they blame it on either Africa or China. I don't want to go to Africa. What if he calls me to Africa? I don't want to go to China. What if he calls me to China? Well, hey, I've been to Africa. It's awesome. Don't be afraid of Africa. Now, I've never been to China, but I hear good things and some other stuff too. But whatever God's called you to do. We have missionaries in our church to China. And are you in here this morning? I don't know if you're in here. They might be gone on the... Oh, you're here. I see one hand. Are you blessed? Are you happy to do the will of God? You're more blessed obeying God. Amen. <laughs> would, would you say, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. Would you say the boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places? Mm. And, 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 and would you say that my heart is glad and my, my glory rejoices? Uh, how about this? Verse 11, Psalm 16, Sarah read it. You show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of sadness, regret. No, joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it's what Sarah is saying. It's a confidence. He loves me. And whatever the vision is and whatever the boundary lines the vision creates, they are falling for me in pleasant places. And at his right hand, in his presence, is the fullness of joy. Pleasures forevermore. That would include this life. Of course, things come up and, and, and the Lord may call you to do something and, and your flesh may want to fight it. But listen, if you're honest and if you're honest before him, and if you'll listen to the willingness of the spirit of God in you, there, you will identify there is an eagerness, there is an excitement. And that thing you thought you'd be afraid to do, you look up one day and there's an excitement in you about it. There's a joy in you about it. And instead of running from it, you are running to it. And what Sarah is saying today, specifically to the young people of our church, there's a reason God's pulling you out. There's a reason God's talking to you specifically. And it's because you are a major part of the vision for 2022. And we'll talk more about it next week, but I just want to give you a little taste of it. You're on our hearts. You're in our hearts in a big way. And I know it's taken some time to get some things started, but it'd be better to spend the time preparing than it would be to spend time repairing. Let's get this right. Our young people are worth it. Their lives are worth it. And your future is nothing to be afraid of. And the bigness of the things God's called you to do, yes, it will create some boundary lines. And, and I, I mentioned this and touched on it, but I, I sense the Lord telling me to kind of Press on the gas a little bit here. When he talked in that verse in Proverbs 29, 18, and said, without vision, what, did you, what was that translation? People run wild. They cast off restraint. They stumble, all over they stumble all over themselves. If you study the words, it literally translates to an uncovering of the flesh yeah. and a nakedness. Yeah. If you married people, or single, get a vision yes. for your relationship with your spouse yes. and it will create some boundaries and you are limitless within those boundaries. Heartache occurs only outside them. 
It creates boundaries in the way you conduct yourself relationally with other people. I, I want to do my best to make this clear and say it in the appropriate way. But I have, I've met with the men on our staff, small group of men, and I've said, guys, listen, we can go our entire lives without cheating on our wives. We can go our entire marriage and be faithful to them. And that anymore sounds like a real miracle, <laughs> but we can do it. Husbands, wives, if you've made your vision list already, you brought it to church today, ready to pray over it, that's good. Like I said, hang on to it. Take it home. Put your marriage on it. Put the success and the longevity of your marriage on there. Single people, all the single people, <laughs> listen, get a vision. I think we already heard about it in church today with one of our glory stories, a, a young man who's got a vision. He's single now, but he's got a vision for his marriage and his family. That's a good thing. That vision will create boundaries for him and others like him to live within. I'm not going to step outside these boundaries. Why? My vision requires me to live within them for the sake of my future, for the sake of the woman God's called me to, for the sake of the family he's giving to me. I'm living within the boundaries of the vision. And it's always been funny to me that the same person and really the same spirit of God through the person that wrote things in the New Testament, like we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Nothing is impossible. Also wrote these words, flee youthful lust. And those don't sound like the other ones. What's he saying? There's some stuff you better run from because the flesh is not to be trusted. It's what Solomon wrote to his son. He said, listen, son, there are promiscuous women. And if he was speaking to a daughter, he'd say the same thing about some men. And you know what he said to him? Don't even go near her house because the flesh is not to be trusted. Get a vision, get a vision for your future. Teenagers, listen to me. You, I, I know it. We've been there before. There's pressure on you. There's pressure on you. But like what Sarah said, if you'll get a vision of the future, that temptation is nothing compared to revelation. It's nothing compared to God's vision for your life. And trust him that what he has for you is joyous. It's so fulfilling and you will never be more satisfied doing anything other than the thing he's called you to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'll say this to you and we'll begin to wrap it up. Uh, something has occurred to me in this year of better than ever standing on first Peter chapter five that says the God of all grace is perfecting us, establishing us, strengthening and settling us. We'll talk more about it as we come to it and as the Lord leads us. But that word established, we've already said it some over the last several weeks. It means to be established on course, going in the direction you're called to go in. And I just spent some time looking at this yesterday. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many different verses throughout the scripture talk in different places about doing what's in front of you and not turning to the right hand or to the left. In Proverbs chapter four, he says, ponder the path of your feet. Are we supposed to be thinking about the path we're on? Are we supposed to be mindful of and thinking about the direction we're going in? Ponder the path of your feet. Walk straight ahead, he said, and do not turn to the right hand or to the left. He said it all throughout the Old Testament to his people. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Let your eyes be fixed right in front of you. Fix your face like Flint. Do not turn to the right or to the left over and over again. And it occurs to me just sitting here today, why not turn to the right or to the left? Because that's outside the boundary. You go far enough to the right, what happens? You end up on the other side of the boundary. You go far enough to the left, you end up on the outside of the boundary. Let your eyes be fixed right in front of you. Amen. 
So in preparation for next week, let's put that on the screen, guys, the, the way we make our vision list. I've already mentioned it to you today. If you haven't made yours yet, go home, do it this week together as a family and make it just like this. We're going to bring these together next week to service. We're going to present them before the Lord. And Sarah and I are going to go over with you the vision list from last year for the church. And you are going to get to see all the things God has accomplished, uh, accomplished for us and, and, and made progress for us in. And we're going to get excited about it. And in addition to that, we're going to add some things for the coming year. Um, number one, what's the first thing on our vision list? Kingdom first. What will we sow? Kingdom first. Be mindful about it. Be conscious of it. Lord, what would you have us sow? And I'll just use the church and ministry as an example. Last year's vision list, we said from the church, we are going to sow 11% of everything that comes in as a non-designated gift, as a non-designated offering. 11% of that is going back out to the walls outside the walls of the church. For the ministry, I believe we were at 15%. And so... Uh, we'll add to that for 2022. Number two, our debts and our obligations. What do we owe? Don't bury your head in the sand. Find out what you owe and then be in faith to be free of it, to make progress on it. Doesn't always all happen at once, but as the Lord adds extra to you, he enables you to chunk away at that thing. And it's a good thing to be debt free, to owe no man anything but to love him. Now, if you've got debt, there's nothing to be in condemnation over. Just be in faith. Start right now. He wants me free, and that's how he sees me. And by his grace and his help, that's how I'll be. And then finally, number three, we're believing big. What would we have and what would we do if money were no object? And that's where you get to let the Lord just begin to stretch you and enlarge you on the inside. But what I want you to do this week as you make that list don't just identify something great, something wonderful. Doesn't matter how big it is. If it's from the Lord, wonderful. But then identify the boundaries. And if part of that is being debt-free and having plenty to give to other people, then let that vision create some boundaries for you financially. And spouses look at each other and say, okay, if this is the vision, then that may require us to not spend this over there. Or that may require us not to be careless with this over here. Let the vision create some boundaries. And then on that, I want you to put your relationships. What would your marriage look like if you were free from strife, free from pressure? Put that on there. And as a family, get into agreement. We're going all the way together. Amen. We are doing all he's called us to do. We're serving the Lord. We're serving each other. And we are building a house full of faith and love. Amen. 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 Is everybody clear on how to do this? We've got this or we will have this on our website this week. So if, you've, if, if you get home and you're not quite sure what to do, just look at the website and then next week, bring it with you to church. We'll present them to the Lord. We'll rejoice over what he's done for us and we'll see greater things that are yet to come. Glory to God. Anything else we need to add to that? I have a couple things that are coming up in my heart. I want to encourage husbands to lead their families in this. And... You have to have a vision for your life and your family to even expect anyone to follow you. People cannot follow unless they have someone to lead. So what we do is Jeremy gathers us, we get together in our family with our children and we sit in the living room like this. You know, this should be happening on a regular basis husbands leading the family, bringing them all together into the room. Now, if you don't have um, that figure in your home, that's okay. Mothers, you're able to do that. And I just want to encourage you as the head of your home, you seek the Lord. You find out from him the plan that he has. It will set your wife and your children on the right course for their lives. Don't neglect your call and your anointing in this. I keep having it come up to me so strong. 
I am like on the verge of tears about it. Do not neglect this anointing and this call on your life. It will set the course of your life, your wife's life, and your whole family, your children. They will watch you and they will imitate you and they will come up and they will do the same thing with their family. I also have this on my heart. There are teenagers in this room that are currently in the wrong relationship. It may be a little older too, it might be college age. I just keep seeing in the wrong relationship. And if you would take some time to seek the Lord and you would set that vision before you and you would see, look at that vision. You would see that that relationship does not line up with the vision that's ahead of you. And you want to open your heart up to God and this is how you do it. You ask him for strength. You say, Father, I'm asking you for strength to get out of this relationship. Now, it may not be, I'm, I'm trying to, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just close your eyes right now and just look to the Lord. It may not be someone currently in a relationship. It may be someone contemplating a relationship, wanting a certain relationship. That's what the Lord is saying. And all you have to do is say, Father, give me strength. Give me the strength to get out of this. Give me your help. I ask you for your help. And he will strengthen you and he will help you make the right decision. The reason this is so important today is because who you marry has a profound effect on you fulfilling the vision that God has put in your heart for doing all that God has called you to do. So Father, we just open our heart up to you this morning and we submit our will to you. We say delight. We delight to do your will, oh God. We say open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear what you have set before us. That we'd run our full race with joy. That we'd come to the end of our life not ashamed, but having done all you called us to do. And Lord, if, we've, if we have experienced shame or if, if there's been people in this room who have made mistakes, we thank you for the second chance. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that right now in this moment we can choose to set our face like Flint and get back on track and to get on the course that you've set before us. We believe that from this point on, it is a new start. It's a fresh start for everybody in this room. Lord, I thank you for fresh revelation. I thank you for fresh vision. People who've never seen before the call of God in their life, that they'd see it now in an instant right now. Eyes open in Jesus' name. Altar ministers, would you come to the front, please? I hope you take this to heart today. Take it very seriously as you go home. And you've got a few days to be before the Lord on this. And again, if you've already made your list, that's good. Just take a, a, another opportunity. Go before the Lord and say, is there anything else? And, and like we said from the book of Habakkuk, watch. Set yourself to see it. Expect to see what God wants you to see. Amen? That's why we pray this all the time in here. I have, I have eyes that see. I have ears that hear. Can you say that out loud? I have eyes that see. I have ears that hear. Say this. I have a heart that's wide open, able to understand who God is in me, who I am in him, and the great plan that he has for my life. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. 
feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.